You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Thanks for tuning in to the Southern Way Hunting Podcast on the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network. I'm your host, Josh Raley, and on this show, you'll hear hunting tactics, stories, and strategies from hunters across the South. Our aim is to sharpen our skills as hunters and outdoorsmen, become more efficient and effective in pursuit of our craft, and even have a little fun while we're at it. And of course, no matter the pursuit, we focus on doing things the Southern way. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Southern Way Hunting Podcast. I'm really excited about this episode. I got to catch up with the guys from Swamp and Stomp YouTube channel. Now, if you've watched their YouTube channel, you know these guys are killing bucks in some of the most difficult terrain to hunt in the U.S. I got to chat with John, Mark, and Danny to hear their overall approach to hunting in the deep, deep, deep south. And by that, I mean southern Florida. So we cover all kinds of good stuff, including where they start on a piece of public ground, how they use observation sits. We cover exactly what kind of sign and what kind of location it is that they are looking for that's helping them get on deer. And then towards the end of the episode, they actually announce a giveaway that they're doing. So you want to hang around for the end of the episode for that. As always, thanks for coming back for this week's episode. I hope you enjoy. All right, join me for this week's episode of the podcast. I've got the guys from Swamp and Stop on the line. I've got John, Mark, and Danny. What's up, buddy? Well, what's I guess up? guys. I said, what's up, buddy? Uh, which one of you did I call buddy? I don't know. What's up, guys? <laughs> How you doing? Good, doing man. Good. good. So did you guys have to take a break from hunting to, to come in and do this thing? I know you guys got started pretty early this year. Uh, Honestly, I don't think we stopped i don't think we had to take a break like we've just been going so hard it was actually kind of nice to have a break yeah very welcoming break after uh past few weeks yeah Yeah. so what are the what are the temperatures like where you guys have been hunting um well right at the beginning of the season we were hunting in about a about 100 degrees yeah the highs for the day was 100 degrees heat index of 110 yeah um we had about four days where it got into the 80s during the day that was nice um but now it's now (laughs) it's back to like 95 so yeah it's Uh, like the humidity stays around 95 luckily there's a front coming through right now (laughs) so hopefully we'll we'll drop like two degrees yeah (laughs) oh my gosh dude the the weakness of these southern fronts man like the people in the midwest don't even understand like no, when I don't. when I hear them being like, oh, you got to wait till there's like a 15 degree temperature drop. I'm like, uh, never. Like, what are you, yeah. what are you talking that's about? Not, that's not gonna happen. Yeah, you don't. You, well, like a seven degree drop is like, oh my gosh, here we go. Oh yeah, when I was in the tree stand, like after, when we had our cold front come through and it was like in the high 80s, like oh 
It felt it was, amazing. It was so good. We had this north wind, which we never get as early yeah. as we had. And uh, we were all texting each other, you know, uh, our, our group chat. And we're like, this breeze is awesome. <laughs> I, I think it actually had the humidity down a little it bit. Did. Yeah. It did. It was a little it, dry. Back in the 60s, it was so comfortable. 60? No, the humidity. Oh, the humidity, humidity went down. Oh, 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 not the temperature. Whoa. It was like 80, 80 degrees, 60% humidity was amazing. Yeah. It, was so it was so nice. Even I, I got in a stand. It was only one day I actually hunted it because I, I was super sick. I got in the stand. I shot a buck after 30, 45 minutes. And then I just stayed in the tree. I just didn't want to get down because it was so nice. Jeez. I just figured, figured I'd wait for a hog, which never showed up. <laughs> oh, man. So when do you guys uh, – actually, let me let me jump off with this. Why don't you run through and kind of introduce me to each one of you individually. We'll start from my left, your right, and just kind of go down the line, who you are, kind of what you do, how you got uh, plugged in here with the old Swamp and Stomp. Uh, so my name's John. Um, you know, I'm, I'm mostly a deer hunter. Uh, I've done the whole out west elk thing twice unsuccessfully. Um, and, uh, I met, I met Mark through, uh, through a buddy of mine that was my best man at my wedding. And, uh, we did a, a small, a small game hunt for backcountry country hunters and anglers. Um, in our South zone. Uh, and Mark and I, I guess I met Danny there too. Uh, I, yeah, I think you were, you, were, you, were, you were there. Yeah. <laughs> it might've been your birthday weekend. It, no, it was actually like really uh, coincidental how yeah. like we ended up linking up after. Yeah. That. And then, uh, and then they were like, yo, you need to get a camera in your hands. Uh, we, we need, we need content. <laughs> and so, uh, they hooked me up with one of their old cameras um, nice and uh, and yeah, so it, it all just worked out from there, and uh, now we're on what season is this season two, three, three, season three, three that he's been, season he's three been working with us, yeah, three, is three. It three, it's three, yeah. yeah, I guess the first one he uh, you did get, I, I yes, yeah, I did, and I, I missed record on all of them, you know, filming's hard, <laughs> right? It's hard, it's hard to push that little button, yeah, when, when your adrenaline's going, oh, for uh-huh. sure. And so, uh, so yeah, um, but this year's going well so far. So, and I'll, I'll add to that. Like he's, he's kind of like our, uh, we have a couple other guys in the group, but he's just, uh, you know, been, been awesome. He's been really trying hard and supporting us and in a lot of ways. So it's been really fun having him on board. Well, something you believe in, you know, I mean, I think we're really based on, on, on trying to teach people how to do this in Florida. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to grow up doing it, um, here in Florida where like you weren't, it's a, uh, it's a great segue. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm Mark and, uh, I did not grow up hunting. I actually grew up in Europe. Um, I moved to the States when I was like 22 and, uh, in Europe, you don't really have the opportunities to hunt like you do here because it's sort of taken away all the freedoms to do it there. And there's like no public land <laughs> yeah there's there's basically no public land that the hunting opportunities that do exist are all private and um rich person's sport yeah it's it, it requires money to do it um there's tons of game because you can't kill it um but yeah i, I came over here and after years of trying to get somebody to show me how to do this uh and and not finding anybody that wanted to take me because let's be real nobody wants to share their spots that they worked, you know, years for to find. 
So um, I just kind of started plugging away, trying to figure it out. Um, had some minor success in the beginning, and eventually I, I met Danny, and um, he really kind of helped me put the pieces together and uh, started having a lot more success. But, you know, once I got to that stage, like me and Danny had talked about starting this YouTube channel. And for me, like, I just really wanted to create the resource that I was missing when I was trying to learn how to hunt in Florida. Right. Um, and so that, that was like the big motivator for me. Like, I, I mean, I think we both kind of had similar motivations, but um, you know, and, and to this day, that's still the goal. Like we just want to create that resource because most of the content that's out there, the Midwest stuff, it just doesn't apply here in Florida. And we still, we get questions every day. People asking us like, Oh, how do, how do you do this? How do you find bedding areas? How do you like, what kind of food sources should I be looking for? You know, cause they're hearing, Oh, you got to find all the Oaks and the Oaks is where it's at. Focus on the Oaks. And I'm not saying deer don't go into the Oaks here, but it's, it just, everything just looks different here. So, right. Uh, so that, yeah, that's kind of how this whole thing got started. And, and on top of that, I think, I think all of us hunt differently. Um, Very differently. And yeah. we have different tactics, and I don't think... There's some can, overlap, but... Yeah, yeah and I, I don't think you can say any of ours are any better than the rest of them. Um, but but they're definitely different tactics than you would use up north for the most part. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think... We I think up north. What's that? So that's why we suck up north. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, even for a lot of the south, like, I'm sure some of the stuff that you guys do is very different than the guy in like the Alabama pines or very different than the dude in Tennessee or very different than me here in the Piedmont region of Georgia. Like that's just, you're not going to, you're not going to hunt the same way. So, uh, Danny, man, let's hear, let's hear about your, uh, your background just a little. Yeah. So I'm Danny and I pretty much, um, I grew up hunting with my, my uncle and my cousin and my dad. Um, really, I mean, we used to hunt the Everglades and the swamps and stuff like that. Um, and pretty much, like Mark said, we, we a mutual friend put us together. Um, at the time, I was filming off of a little GoPro because I wanted to show all my friends, like my family and stuff, like my hunts, because you can tell somebody a story, but showing them it's way better. Right. And then, uh, I'm not that great of a storyteller. So, <laughs> like, you know, I can show with the picture. Um, if you watch some of the earlier, the real early videos, it's like, Pretty much all recoveries and or zero. It's just, it's just raw footage. Zero <laughs> editing. I didn't. I didn't edit anything. It was like There's right on YouTube. Four hours of GoPro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, once uh, me and Mark started doing everything together, we really kicked it up and started. Actually, we came up with a, the channel name and and started actually editing video and doing all that stuff. It's been a. It's been really fun. The whole learning process and every time you're in the woods, you learn. So I've, I've learned a lot over the past few years, just um, videoing hunts and being able to go back and look at what I did, what I could have done differently. Um, when you make mistakes, you have it forever. So you get to learn from those right. every time you watch it. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much. So me. I'm curious for, for you two that, that kind of grew up hunting there, right? So John and Danny grew up hunting in Florida. How has your strategy, tactics, approach to hunting changed over the last couple of years, maybe as a result of 
kind of accelerated learning that happens when you're videoing everything and constantly critiquing it with a group of guys? Oh gosh, it's changed entirely. <laughs> um, I mean, I think I think the way I grew up hunting, uh, at least with my father, uh, I hunted. I learned to hunt just sign initially, um, and a part of the issue with that, from not, I don't want to say issue. Um, hogs in Florida leave a lot of sign, right? Right. And deer sign is much more subtle. And and so I grew up hunting, like, hog and deer sign. But mostly it was just sign in general, whether it was hogs or deer, because we didn't seem to care. It was just getting out there and hunting, and it, it was all part of the process. And I've really transitioned more towards deer. I, I'm not I'm not as excited about hogs. And, and I'm, nothing against it, just personally, I, I don't. I don't find it as exhilarating as I do um, deer. These days, I don't even know. <laughs> I'd, I'd struggle to go kill a hog if I wanted to right now, like like really just to target one, <laughs> because I, I, I kind of left that, you know, that that direction. It, like I said, it just doesn't excite me. Right. Uh, and, and maybe it's because I got ruined on a, on a big one that tasted bad, and, and I was like, ah, I'm not interested in that. Um and, and he's shaking his head no because he's like they all taste good, but <laughs> I'm not saying they all taste good. But I know I just have this in my mind, like like I, I'll never forget it. It was just a, a big ranked boar hog. But it's not to get off topic. Uh, but yeah, so it's entirely changed um, uh, how I hunt. Um, I don't. I, I mean, how deep do you want me to go here? Uh, <laughs> I, I know you didn't ask this question to me, but I, I can I can point out something that I think speaks for both of them. It's, so, it's something that every person that films a hunt has to learn. It's like you start, you start hunting in places where you can see a lot more. Oh yeah. Because yeah. except for this weekend, I, I, you I'm just back like the last thing you want is to be surprised by right. a deer, you know? And so when you, when you gotta like, Oh, I gotta get the camera on. I gotta get this. And I gotta do that. And I gotta push this button and that button and this button. And like you need time to do it. So I, like you definitely learn, uh, early on in filming is that especially on a, if you're part of a YouTube channel that it's almost more important to get it on film than it is to actually kill something. Right. Uh, and, and, and you have to kind of take that to heart if you really want to produce content um, to, to go, all right, not, not bow or gun first camera first. Yeah. And, and so, like you said, true. I definitely, um, I definitely don't hunt as thick normally as I used to. I used to hunt tight quarters. Oh. <laughs> I used to hunt tight quarters, and uh, I, I don't as much anymore. Um, but uh, for the most part, what I what I like to hunt currently is I like to hunt what what I call pinch points, travel areas, uh, something with a really hard edge where where it would be really difficult for the animals to travel through where they either are going to travel on the edge or out in the open. And the majority of the time I find that edge to be where I'm going to hunt deer. Right. um, I got a quick follow-up on that. So if you're hunting in places that are more, more open where you can see further for the sake of the film, right? Um, How has that increased or decreased your number of encounters? Because I, I think common expectation, uh, you know, if you're just 
taking in normal hunting content that's out there, they're going to say, oh, well, if you're not in the thick stuff, you're not going to see the deer. I think on the contrary, I think you see more. Even if they're outside of your range. It produces more content, if nothing else. What Uh, I have done, what I've learned to do is like, I'll actually set up on new areas in in an open um, scenario. And then I'll, you know, keep a keep a visual on everything around me. And whenever I see deer moving in a particular spot, I'll move into that area and get closer to where they're moving. And I have found that that produces success very well. That's worked really well for us. Yeah, yeah. we've done that quite a few times. And that's kind of how I approach my first hunt and on a new area. I'll sit somewhere that I'll find it on the map first, figure out where I see a lot of transition and, and game trails and such on the map, make sure it's true on the ground and then set up there but I want to be able to see multiple different spots from that tree. Right. You might not pick what you think is the most ideal. You might pick that, that, that spot. It's a little bit further away just to observe sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Well, and so I always say this, like if, if you go hunt a spot and you see nothing, then all that you know is that there was nothing where you could see. Now, if what you can see is a much larger area, you learned a lot more about that area. You know, if you go straight into some thick stuff and you see nothing, you learn a lot less than if you were sitting out in the open and you could see. Yeah, if you can only see 50 yards. Well, yeah. and, and that's also part of the difference in, in Florida, right? We don't get that season change uh, that the Midwest gets where all the trees drop their leaves and even if you're in like thick stuff you're you're you can see you know 150 yards through through the timber or whatever you're sitting in uh and and in florida if you're sitting sitting thick stuff the the swamp it doesn't yards it. Or better. yeah, yeah. yeah you, you, you might have 30 yards max you know that you can actually see something um so well, and and on top of that like when you think about like like it, it, people define thick stuff very differently. You know, here in Florida, right, right. you could be sitting on like a pine flat with like palmettos and gullberries and like all this shrubby stuff where it's open. And that that shrubby stuff, you know, it's hide everything. It's taller than a deer, so like it's thick. You know, like if you're sitting really high up in a pine tree, like you might not even see a deer walking through there. You'll only see a glimpse of them every now and then. That's still thick, but you get high up in that that pine tree, you could still see a really long ways and catch parts of the game trails that are going through there. You know, that's the kind of habitat that I have found a lot of times the deer are bedding in. You know, it's not necessarily that thick, nasty stuff that you can't even walk through. It's all the shrubby, grassy. I think you northern people call it CRP. Right. Right. Well, and I think that's one of the things that I've seen that's consistent. So I, I've hunted quite a bit of like pine savanna type stuff, which looks a lot like what you guys are hunting a lot of times, you know, tall grasses and stuff like that, sparse pine trees. And then when you do have that thicker stuff, it's like just that thick scrubby junk, but it's like little pockets of it. And where I find like small pockets and then an open space and then another pocket and then an open space, like that's where I find deer bedding. And that doesn't matter if I'm down in Louisiana uh, I hunt deer in Wisconsin the exact same way, you know, where you've got this that, uh, scrubby yeah. kind of marsh area. I would say that applies very, very similarly in Florida. Uh, I, I will say I, that the Wisconsin marshes are thick in a 
totally different way. Floating grass <laughs> and weird things it's, like that. We, we hunted Wisconsin a couple years ago. Oh, okay. like, Where at? Uh, Gen- near Green General Bay. area. Near Green Bay. Okay. All right. Yeah. And, I mean, we loved it. Like, it was so cool. We really want to go back, but we had our asses handed to us. We both had – me and Danny both had – giants like giants in range and just i don't know i i just didn't think the one i was looking at was as big as when i looked at it on video and i kind of went well what the hell did i not shoot for right it was just like this giant eight point but in my mind i was looking at the size of the body and the size of the rack and i'm like yeah the rack's not that big like 40 yards it was chilling and i was like eh, i'm not gonna shoot it unless it comes to 20 you know and then later on looked at it and it's like oh crap that was like a 250-pound deer, you know? Like, I saw the video. I'm like, what were you thinking? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would have shot him six times. Yeah. <laughs> I would have made an arrow that kept shooting him. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. And then, that's and awesome. then he had, like, a giant 13-point come yeah. in. and uh, yeah, just, that... I, it, it was a heartbreaker. But um, uh, the, the footage of all that still needs to be posted. We haven't, yeah. we haven't edited it. It's just been uh, – We've had too much content, you know. It's a good problem to have. Right. Right. The only person that killed a deer that that whole trip was my dad. He killed uh, a little button buck the first day, which was like a 150-pound deer. (laughs) It's just like big for our deer. Sure. Our button bucks are like 60 pounds here, 50, 60 pounds. Yeah, and then he he shot a doe the last day, the very last day. Like, we're about to get on this airplane, and he shot a doe. Oh my gosh! It's like, uh, Dad, we gotta, we gotta leave. Man. Like we, we literally like hung up the quarters like overnight. It was so. And cool. then in the morning, we just like grabbed them like whole and just shoved them in a cooler and left. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it, was, it was pretty cool. That whole that whole experience <laughs> was neat. We were able to actually do a, a goose hunt and everything. We'll we'll try to get that footage together at some point. Yeah, yeah. we're we're sitting on it. Nice. Um, nice. Yeah. I'm headed back. What was back. the question again? So, I think yeah, no, we went on we're, we were talking about how, how strategies and tactics have changed as you guys have kind of accelerated your, your learning over the last couple of years. So, um, Danny, you're, you're the only one that hasn't chimed in too much on that front. So, like, you grew yes. up hunting this stuff. How have you changed over the last couple of years? Because, I mean, from the outside looking in, like, you guys are way more successful than I would anticipate a group of dudes from Florida being just because of how difficult the hunting down there is. Yeah, so it is tough. Um, so early on, and I pretty much started off hunting the, uh, what you call sawgrass. Uh, the Everglades is pretty much, is just sawgrass. You can hunt off of uh, A-frame ladders and or tripods. Um, makeshift tripods and things like that. Um, I kind of grew up hunting that. And then eventually we got a piece of um, uh, private land. So then we got spoiled with the corn. And right. I kind of veered away from public land, and eventually I got bored of that, and got back into the pub, into the public stuff, um, hunting the grass again, and and all that. Now that kind of stuff, you you're pretty much hunting game trails. You find an area where you have game trails that um, come together and intersect, and you set up near those, and you'll hear the deer coming before you see them. More often than not, you'll hear them flapping their ears because of the mosquitoes uh, as they get closer. Jeez. Uh, um, eventually once I got away from the grass, um, I mean, just like John says, you know, I started hunting transition areas, um, spots where I can see a long ways. And then I just started doing it that way and moving in on the deer as I saw them. Um, once I think right around when I met Mark is when I started using game cameras. Um, 
So it's what, like six years ago, six, seven years ago, I started using the game cameras. It's been a and, longer than that. <laughs> um, probably eight, I think yeah, eight years. Eight now. years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would try to set them up on spots where I saw game trails and such, and I would sit close to them so I can see how the deer are using that area and then adapt accordingly. Right, right. So I got to know, like, and I'll, I'll just be upfront with you guys. I shared this before we started recording. As I look at, like, places to kill a good buck, right, yeah. I've got to say Florida's the hardest. Like, it just it just has to be. Like, just look at the terrain, look at the size of the deer, look at, like, the stuff that you've got to hunt. Like, it's just really difficult. Like, you talk about the sawgrass stuff, and I'm like, what do deer even eat in there? Like, is there edible stuff in there? I don't even know. Like, if it, it looks like just freaking six-foot-tall so, sawgrass. I've got a good answer to this question. Uh, I think... I, I, I and maybe you got a different perspective on this. Um, unlike a, a, a lot of other places, basically the majority of the rest of the United States is you don't hunt food in Florida. Yeah. Um, you you can don't get me wrong. Seasonally, you can like there's uh, like like that. as of like you know right now early season right. Uh, what's common for our area is, is palmetto berries. Uh, but the palmettos are everywhere, which right. essentially means that they're basically out in the wide open, you know, uh, uh, just wandering around, munching wherever they want to. And so, and, and on top of that, you, you also can't as reliably hunt bedding areas because they're uh, everywhere. They're they're everywhere, and because they don't have those like farm fields and things that they go to every day, that they can they they kind of just wander. Right. Uh, yeah. in, in Florida, in my experience, like don't get me wrong, I, I, I I'm sure there's some patterns that you can find, um, but that's why I've I've taken to things like what I call the pinch points, the the, the transition areas in between, um, whether it's thick or immovable areas where the deer aren't going to walk unless they have to. Um, now don't get me wrong. I, 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 I do firmly believe some of the, the, those bigger, smarter bucks stick to some of those really thick areas. Uh, and, and that's where you rely on things like the rut to let them slip up chasing the does. But which can happen I, at I, any I, moment. I, yeah. Florida. Which can happen at any moment. <laughs> you know, we don't, we don't get a week of it. Uh, throughout, even within our zones that, that vary so much, uh, we have a you, you get a, you get a random month or two months where, where they can be running anywhere from, you know, the beginning of that month to the end of the second month. Uh, and we call it as what in Florida, we call it a a doe by doe basis. You know, uh, one doe might rut a month early, one doe might rut a month late. Um, because we don't get those temperature changes that you're talking about. Nothing like nothing spikes it off that says, "All right, peak rut is now." This is you know, it's it's not first week of November. It's not it's not first week of December or whatever you know that a, a lot of people count on in the northern states. We end up you know, uh, we 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 can't count on the rut is essentially well, what we're getting at. We get lucky with it. Well, I think like we have. So there's published dates in Florida for like, if you look at the map of like peak rut, that's based on, uh, you know, studies that they've done where they've looked at like the developmental stages of, of fetuses um, in does. 
Um, and so from that, they can tell sort of like an average, like when they got pregnant. Yeah. And, and our peak rut dates are an average, you know, of like when most does are, uh, in heat, like in estrus. So, um, it's, it's really hard to predict. And, and like, for instance, this area that we hunt, it's like right down the road, our backyard WMA, um, two weeks before the season, I had bucks running back and forth at this one spot, you know, chasing does. And then it just kind of went dead. So there was a hot doe in there. Um, and then it went dead for like two, three weeks. And then suddenly it picked back up again. I had this buck, the buck I ended up shooting a couple weeks ago, ran back and forth my in front of my camera twice that day. Like it was coming every day multiple times. The day that I shot it, it had already passed by twice. Um, and then I went in and it came by a third time. Um, and so again, there was a hot doe in there, you know, and then that hot doe either gets bred or she gets chased out of that area. And then, and then you're just like, great. And well, now I got to go find an area that has a hot doe and, and you never really know where that's going to be. So, right. um, to, to bring it back to your question, your yeah, original what, question yeah, before you went off tangent there, the, um, a lot of the deer here actually eat water plants, mm. like in areas that oh, yeah. like sawgrass, Food. not only that you have the sawgrass, but you'll have mm. a lot of water, um, vegetation. And we actually have video of them with their heads underwater yeah. come, and they'll, they'll come up with their mouth full of like, what looks like seaweed and they'll eat all that. In a, in a stomach deep pond, just mushroom. Yeah. And then they'll eat from, or from maybe the even water. to their back. Also, um, within those sawgrass places, you'll have like uh, myrtles and you have different plants that also eat. So it's not just sawgrass. Um, you have little islands in those sawgrass areas that do have a, a variety of different plants, but they they do not shy away from water plants. Right, There's right. Plenty of them in there. That makes a ton of sense. So, all right. So if we're not. I just want to piece together here, like what I would take away. Can I just summarize like what we just said? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so John said this, like uh, we don't have these like target food sources, which is what you have up North. You know, you have these ag fields that like he was saying, deer go to it every night. They gorge themselves on corn or soybeans or whatever. And then they go find a, a bedding area that's nearby that has some water where they feel safe. And then once they find that spot, they just go on this pattern. They stick to that. But here, because they don't have that target food source, it really doesn't matter where they are. And they're just kind of nomadic. So they just move around a lot. Right. Um, and, and so, yeah, like he was saying, we focus on the pinch points because we're just looking for a place where the likelihood of a traveling deer coming through that area is higher. Right, and, right. And, and that's that's where you're most likely to find that big buck coming through just because he happens to also be traveling. But you're also not going to pass that six point, you know, that little basket rack six point that came by right before him. Um, and if you only get to tag one a day, you know, you never you never get to see that big buck. So. We also have a, a five-deer state limit. So we, we, as hunters in Florida, we're not like – we only get to shoot one buck a year. We do uh, only get one a day. Yeah, we get one a day. <laughs> but, but, what but, a and so, and so honestly, we. I, I mean, I th- I'm safe to say all of us here are meat hunters. Don't get us wrong. We like trophies. Don't get us. But uh, and and 
yeah, we're meat hunters, but we also don't get to shoot a 200-pound doe. You know, like right. our does, uh, an average doe for us is like 70 pounds, yeah, like eight, 90. They're, not, they're 90 pounds. Uh, okay. We have I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I have, 120 for a buck, 90 pounds for a doe. And we're talking whole weight. Yeah, we're not talking not, about dress. Not gutted. Um, so uh, we're, we're definitely, you know, that's that's not a whole lot of meat when you think about it. So right. uh, we're shooting what, what we can shoot. And it's just part of Florida hunting. Yeah. So um, it sounds like, uh, you know, number one, I, I, I grew up in Alabama. So, like, I remember the days when our, our, our uh, yearly limit was one deer or two deer per day, only one of which may be an antlered buck. Which was just like the craziest, you know, thinking back on that now after having lived in Wisconsin, it's like, that's nuts. No other, like, states can't just, you can't support that. But, uh, so thinking about what you guys are doing, though, I'm thinking, you know, we're, we're more patterning like a spot or a location and how the deer use that than we are patterning maybe a specific deer. Because he may come through there kind of like in a big wood setting. He may be through there every seven days, ten days, two weeks. Like, who really knows? And with the way they're traveling down there, I'm guessing like one picture oftentimes is as good of an intel as is as good of intel as you're going to get maybe on a specific buck. Like you get one picture of them here, one picture yeah. of them there, you're not how how common are you gonna get them? I mean, honestly, like we try to focus on areas where we're getting uh, multiple pictures a week from okay. maybe not individual a bucks. Maybe like, not a specific one, but multiple different if, bucks. Like yeah, if if you find a good pinch point, you're going to get, if, if I'm like, if I'm like looking for a spot that I really want to hunt and I get camp, I get pictures like at least one buck. That's a legal buck a day in daylight. I'm hunting it. And it doesn't have to be the same buck. Like there might be five bucks in an area. If I'm getting a picture of something legal once a day, during shooting hours, that's great. Hundred percent. Now right. we're not saying that we always get that. No, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> if you are, if you are getting a picture of a of something legal to take every day, you're definitely hunting that spot. Yeah, right. Um, uh, I, I, I I think that that I, I would I would venture to say that that the idea of patterning patterning a a specific buck in Florida is probably far more challenging than a lot of places. Right. And that said, there is one guy that we know that does you, it. You did a podcast I with did, him. I did a podcast. But um, if if you listen to that podcast, that is the most difficult podcast, or that is the most difficult process. Like, 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 oh, yeah. He, he calls himself the whitetail analyst, and he, like, literally takes the data from his pictures, and he starts analyzing the data to try and figure out where he needs to be to find these deer. Um, and it's it's actually, like, our most listened to podcast because everybody in Florida is confused about how to actually pattern deer. <laughs> he does it pretty good. Including us. Very well. Yeah. <laughs> Including <laughs> us. He, he actually uh, shot at a, a giant – was it yesterday? Oh, yeah, I saw yeah. this. Yesterday, he shot at a giant. He hunts with a recurve from the ground, and he uh, oh he, glanced, he glanced his arrow off a, like a little baby pine, and it went over its back. So uh, Heartbreaking. <laughs> Heartbreaking. Yeah. All right. So, all right, big picture. I, I want to back up talking strategy for a, for a piece of ground, right? So it seems like finding concentrations of deer is going to be kind of like the, the first critical step. So what are you guys doing – uh, 
because when you look at these maps sometimes, yeah, there are some really obvious hard edges, but for the most part, like where do you even start when it comes to, you know, a piece of ground or piece of dirt on a, on a, on a WMA in Florida? I think we probably all have a slightly different answer to this, but what I do, like if, like you start with e-scouting, I'll literally just look at the map and uh, I'll look for those pinch points where I see what I think is going to be high diversity of vegetation. So if I see, you know, like different shades of green, that usually indicates there's different types of trees. Um, you know, if I see a lot of edges, there's, you know, there's probably going to be little corridors. Um I'm always looking for the path of least resistance. So if you see differences in vegetation, there's probably going to be an area where there's like low, easy to walk through vegetation versus like thick, nasty stuff you don't want to walk through. So I'll look for those areas where there's a nice pinch point. And when I say pinch point, 99% of the time in Florida, we're looking, uh, we have a lot of these flag ponds, which are just like circular ponds. Um, or elongated, so, but yeah. yeah. So if you have two ponds, you know, then that gap, that hourglass gap in between them is like a perfect pinch point because, you know, they will walk right through the pond, but most of the time they're going to take the path of least resistance, which is right along the edge of it or on dry ground. Unless they have a reason to not take it, they're going the easy way. So, so that's the pinch points I'm looking for. And I'll literally just go on the map and drop pins on a bunch of different potential pinch points. Now, when I get there, I simply just go straight to that area, and, I, and then I look for huntable trees, because if there's not a tree that I can get into, then I'm not going to be able to hunt it anyway. So, like, I go find those trees, and then I look around those for sign. And if there's no sign, I just scratch it off the list and go to the next one. Um you know, and, and just kind of work through it that way. I, I don't spend a lot of time just roaming around looking for sign uh, because you could spend hours and hours roaming around not finding what you want. Um, I'd rather just focus on, like, a spot that looks really good to me on the map and then just jump from spot to spot. So that's kind right. of, like, where I start. Right. What's what's cluing you in? Like, say say you've killed a couple of deer this year and you're you're pretty happy with your success so far. What's going to key you in to say, hey, there's a, there's a good buck in here. There's a mature buck or whatever your goal is, like a, a top-tier buck, let's say, for your area. Because I think that sign in, in Florida looks a little bit different than it will uh, even in other parts of the southeast, given the size of the animals and just simply what they're physically capable of. Uh, but also, I think there's almost like a difference in demeanor, it seems, uh, in, in some deer populations. And so I'm wondering what does, what does, you know, lights out sign look like for you? I mean, I think the only thing that really tells you like there's bucks here. Cameras. Cameras will tell you, but the sign is, uh, I mean, the only thing that's going to tell you 100% there is bucks that have been here is a rub, you know? So, uh, and, or, or, well, well, scrape doesn't yeah, necessarily doesn't mean it's you, a bug. So, you no, know, but, but if you, if you find well, like a pretty gnarly scrape, and there's those, those gnarly scrapes, well, those gnarly scrapes usually have pretty gnarly rubs right by them. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't found like a huge scrape that's definitely you know getting pounded every day without at least a few rubs near it. Um, 
there's a property that I hunt up in central Florida and I haven't been there in a few years, but during the rut, like you'll find scrapes in the middle of the road. Um, like the bucks get, just get buck wild over there to like better words. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm talking about like, you'll find some solid trees that are rubbed up and almost every time you find a scrape right in that area, you're going to find some rubs. Um, so that'll tell you for me, like that's, that's some, there's some good bucks in that area. I mean, one of the right. areas that we might, I, that we find a lot of scrapes is like it's the same thing there. Yeah. So what are you guys what are you guys seeing as far as like consistency of when that sign is made? Because with a really weird rut, it seems like it could go one of two ways. Either one, there's just not a lot of sign, or two, they never know when a doe could come in, and so they're laying down sign all the time. Well, I think no, it's not that they're just laying down sign all the time. Like like I said, there's there's sort of like a peak rut time, and it really depends on what area you're in, and. Um, but we kind of have a general idea of like which areas the rut tends to peak. Um, but you know, when, when we're looking for the sign, like a lot of times I think it starts with just finding deer sign in general. If you find like trails that are beat down and there's lots of tracks, if even if that's does, there's a lot of does in an area. Chances are there's bucks nearby. So that'll be like starting point number one. And then when you find those rubs, and then you also find a scrape with it. Like now you're, you're like, okay, everything's here. And you know, we always say, it's like, when you see a deer from the stand, don't leave because deer like deer. So if you've seen one, chances are like, it might've been a doe the first sit, but the next sit, you might get a buck coming out. So I'll take that in to the, like the, like what you just said, the hunt deer where you see deer. Um, it's pretty simple saying uh we in florida have a a rather low or uh our our buck to doe ratio is a lot different than up up north it's getting Uh, better though it is getting better um because they've put some more restrictions on those um and then uh i think uh, our sign can be a lot more difficult to read like uh specifically track wise because a lot of what we find early season is underwater. Uh, right. A lot of what we walk into, yeah. you know, we find dry patches, but a lot of what we hunt is ankle to shin deep water. And there might be a game trail that you see, but you don't see, oh, that's a deer track or that's a hog track. Yeah. You, you, it's kind of hard to tell. Now, don't get me wrong. Hog tracks, you find a hog game trail or a game trail that hogs have walked by, walked down, you might find a trail that is beat to nothing, all right? But it was a, you know, it was a, a single hogs. pack of yeah. 12 hogs yeah. that ran yeah. through um, and, and just annihilated this trail. Um, and, and and I find typically, you know, if Your I trails s- are usually like see that, if, if, if I see that, now it, it might have started as a deer trail and the hogs just walked. All right. started as a human trail. Yeah, or, or whatever. Um, and, and, and so some, sometimes that's what you find. But uh, it, it's pretty hard to, to to navigate that as far as just go, all right, this is this is deer sign when it's wet like like we deal with. Um, but for the most part, like like you said, we do we, – we, we find those yeah. – it, it's rather subtle. Right, um, I think there's also just kind of like a feeling that comes with it. Absolutely. Like you find the but trails. But that's, that's a gut thing you can't yeah. explain to somebody. You can't tell somebody how to do that. But it's like, 
Yeah. Um, after you've seen enough deer from the stand, you really start to get an idea of just the kind of habitat where they're going to be. And you find those game trails, you're like, yeah, I'm pretty sure this like this is an area where deer would hang out. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna bank on the fact this was probably or at least has deer walking along this game trail. You know, obviously hogs and deer will use the same trails, but um, you know, and a lot of times there's hogs leave a lot of signs. So if if Absolutely. it's if it's run down by hogs, chances are not too far from where that game trail is, you're gonna find more hog sign. Yeah, um, whether it's rooting or or whatever, but. I feel like we're on another tangent. You guys are just on I did. tangent crazy. I did. <laughs> no, this is <laughs> this is really good because this this is all under that topic of like discerning sign and in what I think is a more difficult area, um, you know, because of the animals or because of what they're doing. Uh, I'm I'm curious when it comes to um, some of these spots. Have you know? I mean, we've talked about you know looking for the those pinch points. Am I right that I'm trying to piece it together in my head? Right. So you've got this this edge, right, or this some kind of, um, you know, habitat diversity that's going on right there. Along that edge, you're looking for the ponds. Like, like you're kind of following this edge or whatever that is. You're, you're finding these ponds. Um, are you seeing any consistency kind of whatsoever of, of, of bedding? I mean, I know we've talked about how bedding is basically everywhere, but are you seeing anything consistent that's occurring over and over again that you're starting to key in on? Or is it still pretty much just like, look, we're, we're looking for travel and, and that's what we're hoping for? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think any of us here actually wouldn't call you like ourselves big buck hunters. You know, we go for bucks in numbers. So if we find an area that has, uh, let's say, four or five different bucks used in that area pretty regularly, that's where we're going to hunt. Um, now, if big bucks come through, obviously we're not going to give them the slide and that's let them slip. <laughs> but, that was too big. We're we going to let him go. Here. Yeah, we don't target all, you know, I'm going to go for, you know, uh, 120 inches here or 100 inch or whatever the case may be. Um, we're, we're going for numbers. Um, and with that, I like to target places that are overlooked. Like, I'll set up in spots right by a parking lot. You know, I'll set up in areas not far from the check station, you know, where people are walking in and they'll continue going in for like a mile past me. I'll be, you know, 500 yards to 300 yards from the truck. In some cases, right out of the truck, you know. So, um, at least that's for me. I, I don't really find the need to go to the furthest edge of the property to find deer. And that's, I think, primarily because I'm not looking for that one majestic buck that lives in there and he's 13 years old, you know. Um, <laughs> and honestly, I feel like a lot of times we do, like, we'll just – you know, get like a, a, what's that saying? Like get a hair up your ass or something and just want to like do something crazy. And we're like, let's go walk like super far out. And we do. Every time we do that, we're like, that was stupid. Yeah. We get out there and it's like, <laughs> there was way more sign back there by the truck. Like why did we just walk three miles? You know? Right. Every time. Right. Every right. It's so, funny, but like most of the time we are finding more sign closer to the truck. And it's, it's like, you know, you were saying like uh, earlier you were talking about, you know, like what people should do, like what we're doing differently than other people. Right. And I think what it really comes down to is the fact that we are doing it differently than other people. Like that's our, that's our strategy. We're trying to see, like, it's a lot easier to predict what people are going to do than what deer are going to do. So you look at an area and you go, yeah, I bet somebody's going to probably go hunt over there. Somebody's going to end up walking down this trail and end up over there. But like, I don't think anybody's going to end up in this little spot. 
I'm gonna go check that out. You know, like we're always trying to do it different than everybody else. And guess what? When you don't go to where people go, you find deer. Well, and, I, and I think there's two things to be said about the, so to your question, like the whole like bedding area thing, um, that's something that I don't think as, you know, I, w- I consider myself just a Florida hunter. I don't think that's something many people in Florida actually, you know, like that hunt in Florida. I don't think that's something they even like concern their minds with. I, I don't think we look for specific bedding areas. Um, I, I think I think you're right on that. Like I think people that know what they're doing, they don't care. Right. Uh, but we get that question, yeah, like, on Instagram so much. And we actually have a guy that just shot a deer on our channel. Well, sure. But, that that you know. But I think that's specifically hunted, just like you're talking about a bedding area. But but that was different though. Like he he did the old bump and dump trick where he walked in, he ended up bumping a, a buck out of his bed, and he was like, you know what? A buck was betting here. I'm going to sit down and, and hunt this. And he did. And the buck came back and he shot it. But I think for, for most of us, like betting and food sources, like all these things that people up north Seem have focused incredibly on. incredibly inconsistent it, in Florida. It, that's not what I was going to say. No. Um, it's secondary. You know, we're, we're looking for sign that a lot of deer are in the area. And most often when you find the area where there's a lot of sign – you take a look around and you go, well, we've got habitat diversity. We've got lots of different vegetation. We have lots of different food sources and we've got thick bedding habitat, you know, but pinpointing where those are all going to come together is oftentimes really hard. But when you find where the deer are, most of the time they have all of that. So it's like right. a lot of times you find an area and you're like, Oh damn, this sign's like great. And then you start looking around and it just builds more confidence in your mind. Like that this is the place you want to be. Cause you're like, well, the signs everywhere. And then, yeah, like they have this, they have that, they have that, they have that. Like, Oh, this is an awesome spot. And you know, having that confidence to stay in the tree, even after that first sit when you didn't see anything is key to actually killing something in Florida. Yeah. So be a lot of sits where you don't see anything. Well, and that's, that's where I want to go next. So, um, you're, you're talking about these spots. You're kind of finding, you're almost working in reverse of what folks in some other places would. You're finding the sign and then you're kind of like going down the checklist of like, all right, they got everything they need here. So I've got confidence in this spot. Uh, uh, two questions that are kind of part of the same thought process, I guess, I guess you could say. Number one, um, because of the way you're hunting movement rather than, you know, bed to feed patterns or something like that. How important is that, you know, first sit to you as opposed to giving a spot enough time? You know, I think there are situations where you, you just got to give a spot time to produce, right? Like you got you to gotta just sit there and wait it out. And then number two, pressure on these deer. How quickly are you seeing them respond to negative pressure? Um, just because, you know, and I keep coming back to this spot um, in Louisiana that I hunted that was a pine savanna because it's the closest thing that I could think of, you know, to what you guys are talking about. But there... Because of the way the cover was structured, I was able to get up high, look down into it, and it was like the deer felt very safe despite regular pressure and human traffic through one particular area. They were like, yeah, I don't care. I don't care that y'all are here. I'm going to – Yeah, yeah okay. see that a lot, too. All right. Like the highway deer. Right. Yeah. They're sitting by the highway. We, we see it all the time. Like, I mean, Danny hunts a spot, like, pretty regularly where – uh, people there's like, and, and we've, we've had this happen in multiple places where there's like a main trail going from the parking lot and people are walking down it and biking down it to go out and hunt. 
And then we're hunting right next to it, like a little ways off of it. You could see the people walking by and the deer are there. They just, they, they, they kind of get used to that pattern of people going down that trail. And they're like, well, yeah, they're going to walk down that way. They're not coming in here because they're in some relatively thick stuff where you can't actually see them from ground level. Right. And they're, they feel totally safe in there. You know, I, I always say like the perfect bedding habitat for a whitetail is going to be habitat where if it lays down or puts its head down and it's just standing there, you can't see it from, you know, standing level. But if they stick their head up, they can look out and see what's out there. Right. Because they, I think they do that a lot. You know, I think they just look out and they're like, yeah, it's nothing to worry about over there. And then they go back to eating, you know. I think to, to answer your question, I think that there is – that first it is incredibly important um, because one thing is that you don't want is if you do sit there the first morning or the first time you hunt it and you see – does with fawns or does with um, like their yearlings and stuff. Cause that can be very confusing. A, a pretty mature doe can lay down some pretty big tracks, you know? And then once you see the smaller tracks, you might think, Oh, it's a, a doe and a buck. Um, so I think it's important if you do sit there and then throughout the day, all you do is see that one doe with the, the fawns or yearlings going by, you might need to pick another spot because the sign that you're seeing is not exactly what you're looking for. So I think, it's I really think that's really important to to check that off the list and make sure that, okay, it wasn't a buck that laid down those tracks. Let me move a little further over this way or whatever. Right. I think it's really dependent on the situation too, though, because, I mean, obviously. Whether you have cameras or not. Yeah, if, if you have, like, a doe and a fawn come by, but there's rubs in the area, it's like, okay, well. Well, yeah, that's different. There's probably a buck too. But, you know, I've had a couple, um, a couple bucks that I've killed where, the first sit, I didn't see anything, and I just had confidence in the spot. I was just like, there's game trails here. This stuff is fresh. There's a rub here that's fresh. You know, like, deer are using this area. Yeah, they didn't come by that first sit, but I just have confidence that they're going to be here, and I stayed. And and I did that a lot last year, actually. I, I sort of decided I wasn't going to bounce around as much last year, and I had a great year. Um and so I always try to keep that in mind that sometimes you just got to be stubborn. If you, if you have the confidence, if you see everything that you're looking for in the sign, sometimes you just got to stay put, be lazy, you know? Right. Right. And more I, effort does not always mean more deer. So I'll take it a to point. a different spot where I go. Um, I guess it depends on what you're talking about, how much scouting I've done here. Um, whether I have cameras up or not, uh, for me personally, I, I have this kind of two and a half day rule where, uh, and, and not often, you know, um, in Florida, we, for our public land, we have what we call quota hunts and, and most of ours are three to four days for public land. Um, a few of them are, are, are nine day hunts, you know, you get two weekends, um, but depending on the area, if I've got if I've scouted hard and I've got good intel um, on on an area, um, a lot of times I'm giving it two and a half days before I move. If if I've decided on a location um, that that I feel is good, I've got I've got pretty good intel on. Um, I'll hunt it two and a half days. But I think a lot of that really has to come down to you know you've got you've got so many environmental factors. You you just your wind, you know, you might get, you know, you, you get these dates 
on your on your quota hunt, all right, on public land, where the wind may not be cooperating with where you've picked to hunt. Um, it's and, never cooperating in Florida. Well, <laughs> I mean, like, do you get days that it does know. cooperate? That I I, I I try to to pick a spot that I want to hunt and hang a tree. Uh, well, or put my saddle in my my throw rope up. Um, where I'm going to base it on, uh, the, the, the normal winds for that time of year, um, where we have fairly predictable winds as it comes to the, you know, this time of year right now, it starts to get a little less predictable. Early season's fairly predictable for us. Uh, we the, mostly get an east wind on the east coast and east, a west wind on the west coast. Is east, northeast, yeah. southeast, it's basically what you're going to get. Um, but as these these cold fronts start to push push through, you know, you get the Hurricane. northeast, northwest <laughs> uh, wind. Um, but but I, I largely, you know, if I'm getting intel on an area – I'm trying to figure it out how to hunt it. Where, where's the best spot that I can sit it for those winds? And and it, if I find something like that that's going to work for me, I'm giving it two and a half days before I'm moving if I'm confident in it. And so to, that that's my best answer for your question there. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. That makes a ton of sense. When it when it comes to other folks' pressure, you know, so it sounds like you're using it a little bit, but like a couple of guys running through your area – doesn't sound like it's really going to deter you. No. no. If you watch the, the Kentucky uh, buck video um, that we did, what was it, three or four years ago? I actually yeah. had a hunter walk right through where I was hunting, and I don't know, maybe an hour later, I ended up shooting a freaking pretty decent buck. Dang. <laughs> I mean, I think, right. I think that's kind of a theme in most of our videos. Like, uh, there, there's so many videos where we have people walk by and then pretty shortly after Moments that we later. shoot a buck, you know? Right. I remember once, so there's an area that we hunt where you're allowed to use swamp buggies. Um, and, and it's, it's well known for it. People drive their buggies around like everywhere and they don't follow the rules ever. They do whatever the hell they want. Um, and you know, you'll be sitting in a spot where they're not supposed to go, but here comes a buggy crushing around, driving through stuff. Well, I remember one time I had a buck coming my way, and I'm, like, texting Danny. I'm, like, there's a buck heading my way. He's, like, 500 yards out. He's coming straight to me. Like, there's just, like, this perfect little pinch point. Like, he was coming right at me. And here comes this buggy, drives by him at 50 yards. The buck sees the buggy coming, lays down. And uh, <laughs> and the buggy drives right past him. And then buggy passes by. He gets right back up, comes straight to me, and I shot him. You know, like, they're pretty used to – uh pressure they're used to the kind of pressure where people are passing through right they don't care the difference is when you're staying in an area that's the kind of pressure where it makes them nervous and they're like i gotta get out of here yeah and like i think the spot that you hunt is a perfect example of that but over the last week he was getting pictures of bucks and, and does every day multiple times a day and he was just sitting on it for like what three or four days straight yeah and then all of a sudden they just gone no really? more. And like, have they started showing up again? Yeah. Yeah. Two days ago, they started showing up again after a couple of torrential downpours. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Washed away the scent from the area and they're like, okay, it's safe again. Right. So you think it was yeah. your, it was your pressure that. Yeah. 
I think it was me and there was two other guys that were walking in there pretty regularly. Well, not so, to okay. mention we went and tracked a doe all throughout yeah. there. We also, oh, okay. um, on Monday, I shot and back whacked the doe and we couldn't find her. So we spent a couple hours in there walking around the area trying to find it. And I think when those bucks cross that crossing, they end up going into where we, we did all that tracking. They're like, whoa, something's going on in here. Yeah. We need to go ahead and stop using this spot. Um, right. Like that's what I was saying. Like on the highway, if you see those bucks on the side of the highway, I've done it numerous times where I pulled over to take a picture or did a U-turn and come see them again. You slow down. As soon as you slow down, they're like, zoink, gotta go. You know, they're out of there. And I think a lot of it has to do because it's not the it's not what they're used to. Something changed it's, it's about what yeah. they're used to. Right, right. So, so. I, I want to talk just just a little bit about your your scouting now. I mean, it sounds like you guys pretty much scout all the time like it's a never-ending kind of thing every hundred scouting trip as well right right so do you guys set aside time for like hey we're postseason scouting you know I, I know it's never really cold where you guys are there's no such thing as winter but like are you worrying about postseason scouting or are you saving all that for in season uh preseason well, pre preseason so the the problem we have is that uh every the location and the movements of the deer are so dependent on water levels. Um, mm, if you go immediately after season, you might still get some decent Intel, but, uh, for the most part, if, if you try and go during the off season, it's bone dry out there and the deer will be everywhere. Yeah, completely they just, different areas. They go wherever the hell they want and they go into areas where they couldn't get to before. This is South you know? Florida. North Florida is yeah. a little different. Central Florida is yeah. very different as well. Yeah. Okay. Like South Florida, it's super swampy. There's a lot of areas that they're probably not going to go to during, you know, the summer and the early season. Um, and there might still be good food sources there. And so I think during the winter time when it gets drier, I think they go to different areas. I don't know. You'll find them in places like you. It, I mean, how many times have we, found deer like during turkey season and it's just like oh my god we yeah. gotta come back here and, and then you then go back in deer nothing. season the water's chilly and yeah you're like <laughs> swimming through it and you're like where's all the deer oh and my gosh yeah. so our general rule of thumb when it comes to scouting like i mean we've there's been so many years where me and danny are like we gotta get an early head start on scouting and really figure this out we start scouting we put out cameras and then and we'll start getting deer, like, because we saw a sign there, and there's all these deer on camera. And then the season starts getting closer, and they just disappear. So a lot of the seasons that we do the best are the ones where we go scout, like, two weeks before yeah, we go hunt. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I was yeah. going to say, about two weeks before we're going to hunt. And, and a lot of the areas we hunt here in South Florida, they're in velvet and bachelor groups up until two weeks before we hunt. Right. And, yeah. and it, until they basically lose that – velvet you know you're not seeing rubs you know uh, obviously and and you're not seeing them really divide up ex in into their own individual areas until those last two weeks and so view out a month before season in what we call zone a uh, for florida yeah, you know that south zone it, it's completely changes and so yeah. it's a little tough you know you have to you have to go all right i gotta dedicate these last two weeks for a season, well, I don't even say the last two weeks, but we might only do one or two days in yeah. those last two weeks where, where we go scout something and you go, all right, uh, I'm starting to see some, yeah. some different sign here. I'm starting to see some rubs. Uh, and then you can pattern or not pattern, but you can, you can justify hanging some cameras from there. 
Um, well, not to, no, no. to speak to post to postseason. We have a guy that um, he, unfortunately he's not here on this podcast because he's he was uh, at a hunt um, down south. But he 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 preaches this like he'll go out and we all call him crazy for it because he'll go out after season and he'll go deep down in the swamp and he'll try to find rubs from the season that old rubs for that mm-hmm. they were just made and stuff. And he's he, he calls it post just like you were saying post scouting. And he'll make a note of that. And this guy, he always has big bucks on camera. And he's gone. He's had a couple, you know, rough two years. But that actually does work very well um, if you're doing it right after season. If you go out and actually are able to find rubs from this season, more than likely if that buck didn't get killed, you'll find them there for the following well, years. And so I was going to say the same thing. Like, if you're going to scout in the off season, look for rubs. But don't look for them in the places where you're finding fresh deer sign because right. a lot of times they're not going to be in the same place. But if you can find those old rubs, chances – like a lot of times if there was deer during season in an area, the next season there's probably going to be deer there again. Um, so if you already have spots that are good, like a lot of times we just go put our cameras up. And spots that we know. Yeah, spots that we know are going to have deer. We'll put the cameras up and just – we don't even scout. We just throw the camera up and we're like, yep, yeah, there's going to be deer in here at some point. <laughs> but if you are going to do postseason scouting, look for the sign that they made during season, which is pretty much going to be rubs. Um, don't look for tracks because it's not going to – it's going to give you the wrong impression and you're going to get really depressed when the season starts. <laughs> <laughs> I want to I want to pivot just a little bit here. Uh, I've kind of got my mind just just cranking. I've never had the opportunity to, to deer hunt in Florida, but it's something that that intrigues me a lot. When it comes to you know finding areas where where does are going into heat, do you ever try to find or or a, you know pattern? Let's say when these does in in a given area go into heat and try to hit those spots, like like key in on those historically. Yes. Well, I actually discussed this with the guy we were just talking about, Mug. He's, he's one of our other guys. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, yep. We were talking about this because I've, I've read some studies. Uh, I have some friends that are deer biologists, and, and there's a lot of evidence that shows that deer, like does, even though, like, the time they go into heat differs, and, and this is the same for up north as well. Like, it might differ by, like, a week up there. Here, it might differ by months. But the same doe will tend to go into heat the same time. Right, right. So, and so with that in mind, like, we were talking about it. We were like, we don't really want to kill does in our spots anymore because we know when they go into heat, so we know when to be there. Um, and so this year, we, we didn't kill any does in that area. Um, I tried not to. Well, <laughs> she caught an arrow. Well, <laughs> she took an arrow. She survived. She survived though. So we, you know, there you go. Uh, but we did talk about it before he decided no, before he took that shot. Like we were like, maybe maybe we shouldn't kill them in here because um, you know, like that way you really kind of get to pattern when you got to be there. Um, and and I mean, we see a pretty similar pattern there. Like it's like my spot, which is like seven eight hundred yards away from the spot he hunts. Like I was saying, it'll be popping off two weeks before the season starts. And then right when the season starts, his spot's usually popping off. And then like two weeks later, it's back to mine. You know, so uh, there's definitely a, a pattern there. And, you know, it's been like that. And that has happened consecutively for 
four years with the exception of last year was a really weird dry year. We actually had no storms, no hurricanes that hit us. Um, So last year was unnaturally dry. It was insane. We were were able to drive our two-wheeled vehicles without 4 by 4 back to our regular spots, no problem. It was was that dry. Now, um, with that said, that dough that I just backwhacked, maybe 15, not even 15 minutes, maybe six or seven minutes after she came through, a buck followed her in. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, it was uh, it was too dark to be able to shoot him or anything like that. Right. But, um, yeah, sure enough, um, she walked in. I don't think he was following her because he didn't go in the direction that she ran after I shot her. I figured if, uh, if, if she was in heat, he would have followed her smell. Right. Uh, he actually went in the opposite direction. But, yeah, sure enough, the, that buck came right I, in after her. I, but I don't know if you actually uh, – so uh, I, I, I can't. I don't think you could say that was just hurricane. So I did, we just had low rainfall early well, last it's just, year. It's just been. Uh, it was a weird dry year last year. And yeah, El Nino, El Nino, or El Nino, La Nina. Uh, last we've had a few years of La Nina. This year it's El Nino, so we're getting a much wetter year this year. Right. Um, but we had a spell of dry years. But um, on the the idea of like the patterning the dough um, ester cycle. I don't know if this is a coincidence or not, but last year I hunted an area which is new to me, uh, which John told me about. And uh, I went in there, I I killed a nice buck, and I couldn't kill another buck that day or during that hunt. And so I went back out that afternoon because I was staying at a friend's house who needed me to be out of the house. So I was like, all right, I guess I'll go hunt. And then an even bigger buck chased a doe right past me and I couldn't shoot the buck. So I shot the doe. um, He was very disappointed after that. Yeah. Well, it was actually kind of funny because when I went to track her, he was standing over her dead body, like waiting for her to get up so he could do his thing. Oh my God. Uh, (laughs) um, But, but anyway, so I, I killed that doe and you know, after seeing all these deer in there last year, I was like, this spot's going to be money. I went in there, scouted it, put a bunch of cameras up, and, like, it's been kind of dead this year. Like, I covered that whole area in cameras, and I haven't gotten a single buck I would take. I would actually take a shot at yet. So, I don't know. Like, maybe that was the one doe that was in estrus during that time in that area, and, and I just screwed it up, you know. And this year, I got a – start from scratch and find a new area where where a doe is in heat. I don't know. We'll find out because that hunt's coming up in uh, like two weeks. Nice. Uh, so maybe maybe suddenly I'll start getting pictures of, of bucks in the next week or two, but I don't know. It's, it's definitely looking different than it did last year. Right. So, right. I don't know. Well, man, we guys, we've covered pretty well. I feel like the differences of hunting South Florida, I think if people were – we're confused thinking that hunting in Florida was like hunting in the rest of the country, even, uh, you know, not to mention just the rest of the Southeast. Uh, they, they've been corrected if, uh, if they thought that it could be similar. But make the case for me, man, because I'll be honest with you. I, I told you guys when we first got on, like, I think hunting and killing a buck in Florida might be the hardest place in the entire United States to kill a buck. And, and I'm pretty convinced of that. Um, the deer are also smaller. It's also 100 degrees. There are also things that want to kill me and eat me uh, that are out there. So, 
Yeah, lots, lots of them. So <laughs> I, I don't think that we've really built a case for why people should come to Florida to, uh, to hunt. But I do think that it allows for some pretty uh, unique opportunities. I'm actually heading down that way this, uh, this spring to hunt Osceola's. So looking forward to that. I need to be convinced, though, that I should come down for deer. Why don't you make the case? Well, I think sure. uh, I think that um, Florida, just like any other state, has its challenges. You know, we went to Wisconsin thinking that we were going to be able to get out there and just shoot a buck off the porch kind of thing. Like, it was going to be that easy, and it was not. Wisconsin definitely put us on our place, and it showed us that there are different challenges for different places because – the age class for deer in Wisconsin is going to be very different from what you have here in Florida. Right. Where that buck that, that was, he was talking about earlier, the 13 pointer that I saw, he, he made a decision. As soon as he saw something that was kind of weird in the area, he saw either my camera or he knew somebody had hunted that tree in the past and he had a memory of it. He saw something in like, and right there that buck made his decision. He was out of the, out of that area. From sixty five yards. From sixty five yards, he he was he was like, sure, okay, I'm I'm done with this spot, gotta go. I pulled him in off of a soybean field with my little uh, tube, a little the, the deer can. deer in the, the can. can. Yeah. Um, now my experience with deer in Florida, even mature bucks that I killed, usually get a pretty good opportunity at them. Like they'll if you're able to call them in or they get them within you know a few yards. As you draw up, they're not typically going to just dis- disappear, like get out of the area. They're like pretty curious and not really sure. So I think every state has its own set of challenges. Ours are obviously going to be the swamps, the deer numbers, and the challenge to find them where vegetation is abundant all year long and bedding is abundant all year long. So, but, he said. He said, "Make the case for why people want to hunt here." Well, once you understand those challenges, <laughs> once you understand those challenges and the way that we approach and are successful every year in killing deer, then you can apply those ways that we hunt, and you're going to see them. You know, if you set up in spots like we were talking about, pinch points, transition areas, overlooked spots, you're going to be able to see bucks, and you're going to be able to move in on them, and you may not kill them in the first two sits. But in the if you start seeing them on the first or second or third day, you can make a move for that fourth day. If let's be real, if you're coming from out of state, you're not going to sit here for one weekend. You're probably coming for a week at least. Right. Yeah. So right. using those little tips and tricks that we that we use, you're going to get close to deer, and you're going to be able to at least try to have an opportunity at one. Right. So. Yeah, and, and building on that, I think you know, like you're saying, we have these the different challenges. Um, I think in the, the Midwest. Uh, the challenge is the deer themselves. They're smart. They're used to being hunted, and they figured out how to not get killed by humans. They look into trees. Yeah. Look up. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Our deer don't look up. Our, our deer are younger. They're not as smart. Um, you know, they haven't been around the block as many times as those big bucks up north. But the challenge here is more in the habitat, the terrain the predators that want to take your leg, you know, the mosquitoes that can carry you out of your tree. Um, it's, it's more of a, like a mental game here, you know, trying to keep yourself in the game long enough that you'll actually see a deer and get a chance at it. Or just dealing but, with the heat. I think dealing yeah, with the heat well, is but, that's, but again, that's like another, it's like a mental thing. game. Yeah. It's like a mental game. You really need to like, uh, you need to prepare yourself for it to be miserable because 
like I always say this, like hunting in Florida, you either like you've got to love it because if you don't, you're going to hate it. You know, you need to love that challenge. Now that's enough talking about why it's miserable. Let's talk about why it's awesome. Um, you know, I, I said this before, you know, Steve Ranella made the coos deer, this like thing that lots of people want to go do. Why? It's not because they're big bucks because they're not, they're tiny, you know, they have tiny racks. Um, People go because one, it's really easy to get tags. It's cheap and it's a cool experience. You get to do something that's completely different than what you're normally doing while still chasing after an animal that's somewhat familiar, you know, and, and that's the exact same thing you find here in Florida. They're still whitetails. They still act like whitetails, but there are some differences between them. The habitat you're in is completely different. You get to scout and experience, just explore completely new habitat. Um, and, you know, if if you go home after shooting even a little six-point, like, you, it might not be something that you can brag to about, you know, like, oh, look how big this buck is. But you could tell your friends, like, I killed that deer in Florida. Florida, of all places. <laughs> like, people think of hunting in Florida, they're thinking alligators and pythons, like, people are usually pretty surprised when you tell them you hunt deer in Florida. Right. It's just a really cool experience. Um, and then on top of that, a out of state license is, I think, I think it's like 50 bucks and what? that gets you, that gets you five tags. Um, and we have, I think 11% of Florida is public land. That's oh my a, gosh. that's a big chunk of public land. Like we have, hundreds of WMAs um, and you know, most of them are quota permits. So you have to apply for them, but there's quite, there's quite a few that you can hunt without a quota permit. You can just show up and go on them. And that goes for the whole state. You can, you can hunt non quota property from all the way down from Immokalee, South Florida to Jacksonville or Tallahassee, you know, there's they're spread out. They're everywhere. There's a lot of management area that you can hunt and without a quota. And there's something. Okay, go ahead. And the rut generally happens in archery. So I mean, everybody wants to kill them with a bow. It's more or muzzleloader, archery, muzzleloader. Archery sometimes it happens in muzzleloader. Um, you know, there's there's just it's just a cool experience. That's deep, really deep right. so. That's, yeah. <laughs> One of the things right. I want to add to this is that. Uh, there is something really cool about, uh, we'll just say sitting in a tree stand, another saddle tree stand, whatever. Um, Florida's a lot life. different uh, in that <laughs> sense of <laughs> you're, you're a lot of what you're doing is in the swamp, and 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 that's a different feeling of sitting in the tree stand. I, I have hunted the Midwest a couple times, or or, or either ag land, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, you get a lot of different like noises and everybody loves what you know that that first light of the morning i if you don't love that you shouldn't be hunting uh but just all those what you hear the noises everything else uh and gator, it's gator growls oh gator growls uh, all of it, all it it's really stuff. cool uh and it's a different experience I, you know i i love it and i hear it every time i go um also um we we don't really have CWD. We just got our first CWD case, like don't in really. the Panhandle. <laughs> but if you go to South Florida, like you don't have to test your meat. You know that's a bonus. There you go. 
There At least not yet. Not yet. <laughs> it, it's coming. Uh, it's coming. But yeah, so to to get back to that, it it, it really is a it, it's a really different experience that I don't think you're going to get anywhere else in the U.S. Um, and uh, it, it you you're you're playing capable of being successful. We have a, a good number of deer, and I I don't they're they're different to hunt as far as environmentally what you're going to have to deal with temperatures and things like that and, and mosquitoes. I personally, I run two thermocells uh, <laughs> to keep the mosquitoes away. Uh, and, and it works just fine for me. I don't get eaten up. Yeah. Um, it, the, temperatures, the temperatures are rough. He, he does. If you watch his videos, you'll see them. <laughs> I, just, I just let him eat me. It's just uh, part of the experience for but, me. Uh, right. But, yeah, uh, I definitely think people should come give it a whirl. Uh, and you're going to have fun on your Osceola trip uh, and, and – It'll be it'll be different for sure. Let us know if you need any help. I'm, I'm really good at finding them. I'm not good at killing them, but I'm pretty good at finding them. All right, yeah, I probably will need some help because uh, I will be I will be lost down there. Um, what area are you going to, or like what? Don't general, say it out general. loud. Tell us after you stop recording. Yeah, okay. yeah, we'll we'll talk uh, we'll talk after uh, afterwards. But I, I met a guy uh, a couple weeks ago at a show here in Georgia that was like, "Hey, or I may be able to, you know, help you get on some birds, help you help you traverse some of the area that's a little di- more difficult." Um, but so I want to I want to sum up with one sentence what we just said. Sure. One okay. If you are in deer hunting cuz you want to kill a giant buck, don't come to Florida. If you're in deer hunting because you want a cool experience and to explore new habitat, Florida is where you want to be. Right. Agree. Right. And I think if you can, if you can go to Florida and get it done, or if you can start to sharpen some of the tools that it takes to get it done in Florida, I think you can probably get on deer in a lot of other places. And one thing you didn't mention that is one reason that the coos deer is so awesome um, is because you can hunt at different times. Like when did you guys open up this year? July. Last week of July yeah. is when our season opens. It's freaking July. And when does it close? Well, it depends on what part March. of the state you're talking about. Yeah. But, uh, right. I have, End uh, of February. Yeah. I, I have so archery starts in our south zone in in end July. of July. Yeah. And it opens in uh, another zone the first week of archery. I, I got two hunts the first two weekends or of archery up there. And uh, in December, yeah. So uh, and there's even ones that open later than that. If you yeah. go to, all the way to the tip of the Panhandle, where you're basically in Alabama, uh, um, you can hunt all the way to the end of February. Right, yeah. right. Like I, re- I remember being a kid in in, in Alabama because I was right down there on the coast in Alabama, and literally I'm like looking at these extended seasons. That's before Alabama went to February 10th. So I'm like, oh, I could jump over into Florida, hunt almost to March, and I'm like, wait a second two weeks later is turkey season. Like, yeah, like literally, yeah. you know, in Alabama back then, it was starting yeah. March 15th. So I'm like, man, there, I could I could just keep this places, thing going year-round. There are places in Florida where uh, it switches from deer season to turkey season without a gap. Like, that one weekend. insane. One weekend to the next, it goes from deer to turkey. That is insane. That yeah. is insane. All right, guys, I've kept you long enough, but this has been awesome. Uh, I, yeah, we're definitely going to talk cause I, I need to, I need to pull off the Osceola thing, but I also need to, to learn a little bit more about, about getting on some of these deer. Cause 
I think that would just be incredible. Even pushing myself to July, uh, you know, doing one of those really early hunts, I feel like could be really cool. Although, um, I've watched a couple of your videos and it looks like you guys have a dog tracker that's helped y'all a couple of times and y'all well, are going to, y'all are going to, yeah. y'all are going to kill There's a Facebook page that, that you can find the tracker on. Right. Did, did you guys it's use perfect. the same guy twice? Yeah. yeah, he just he, he was just okay. a cool dude, and uh, we just you know he just wanted to come out and help again. Right, you guys are going to kill that man. Uh, <laughs> we almost did. We almost did the first time. <laughs> I was watching. I was watching those videos. I'm like, dude, that poor like he's gonna. Like, he was in he was in pretty bad shape during that hunt, and you know the the thing is he lives in Central Florida, and uh, it's a little bit cooler there. It's not right. quite as humid. And, uh, you know, all those tracker guys, they're just so excited to get their first track in. Right. So this right. was like an opening weekend hunt and it was a big buck. And so I posted on the group, I said, we got a big buck. I'm pretty sure it's down, but we can't, we can't find blood. And this dude was just so gung ho. He drove three hours to come and track it for us. Jeez. And he was just not prepared for how hot. It was that was right. during a period when we had an extreme heat warning going on. Right, it was right. a heat index of 115. That's yeah. wild. And so we are tracking in the middle of the day, two, three o'clock in you know in the afternoon, when it's as hot as it gets and humid. And we're walking in a swamp, so it's as humid as it gets. And yeah, I mean he he was in bad shape. He almost had a heat stroke, and we had to you know we we had to get him into the water and cool him off and. You know, and it, it took us two and a half hours to get back to the truck. What took us fifteen minutes to get out there? Wow. But this is this is an old dude that's like yeah, he's like sixty five, but he's an old military guy that like he doesn't know quit. You yeah. know, he's right. like pushes his body to the limit, and that dude's tough, man. If I can be that oh, yeah. stubborn and that tough at his age, I'd freaking that'd be pretty damn good, right? <laughs> he, he is such badass. Like, he was even telling me he lives like in a like an assisted living like in an old folks home basically yeah, he's a savage. Yeah. He's a savage. yeah he lived, and he was like he was like i can't wait like during like i forget what he said but it was something along the lines of like oh i can't wait for the next bingo night to tell everybody about this you know like i was like wait what <laughs> <laughs> sir we've got to get you to bingo night first like we yeah, we exactly. got to get you out of here like i watched that video i was like oh man it, it is not going well for him so well, uh, he learned in, in the next track. He went and tracked for him, like yeah. right. a week, not even a few days later. And he he was like, he drank a ton of water and, and like electrolytes. electrolytes and, yeah. yeah, and that helped him a lot. Yeah. Um, now, don't get me wrong; it, it was it, it was still rough conditions then. Uh, it was you know he didn't he index didn't change much. It was like one twelve that day. But I, I think I'm glad you brought this up because if somebody did. Uh, hear my little advertisement a minute ago about coming to hunt Florida. These are things to keep in mind. Hydration is the most important thing. Drink a ton of water before you start hunting. Right. Like when you get up in the morning, drink electrolytes, I, drink a lot of water and you will be setting yourself up to, you know, not get dehydrated. Even, even better. Anybody who's active, Electrolytes do way better the night before, way better. Uh, water in the morning, yeah. electrolytes the day before. Yeah, that, that's right. really the key. Right, dude. I, just comes down to prehydrate. Is yeah, all prehydrate. I'm gonna bring a little electric fan just to set up. <laughs> and then you just have the mosquitoes pelting you. 
You're just giving them more momentum to get that thing right. deeper into they're, the They're really getting lodged in there at that point. So Also, I promise after you've walked out to your tree in Florida, you're going to be trying to minimize the amount of weight you're carrying. Oh, I bet. Yeah, if you're not you a saddle hunter when you get there, you will be by the time you leave. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure of that. So, uh, guys, you guys, where, where number one, where can we find you? And you've got a giveaway coming up that we want to talk just a little bit about. Oh, yeah, the giveaway. Um, okay, so people can find us on uh, Instagram. Um, we recently got a TikTok, uh, YouTube, uh, all the things. Just look up Swamp and Stomp. That's with an, the letter N, not the word and. Um, all the same on every one of these platforms. And the giveaway, um, we are going to be giving away a uh, set of uh, X2 sticks and the Invader platform from XOP. Um, all together, uh, these come out to, I don't know, about $400 value. Um, we recently used them at one of our workshops and absolutely loved them. And uh, we don't even have them yet. In fact, I'm actually thinking about entering the giveaway myself just so that I can get these sticks <laughs> and, and platform. Um, the way that you enter, uh, you just become one of our Patreons. And we do giveaways for the Patreons every six months. So um, just go patreon.com slash swamp and stomp. And uh, yeah, go from there. Awesome, guys. Well, hey, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for telling us a little bit about Florida. And uh, yeah, man, let's uh, let's talk a little bit more on off air here when we're talking, uh, talk about these turkeys just a little bit. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having us on. Thank you. That's all for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, please go subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcast. And if you can leave us a review, I would really appreciate that. Until next week, let's keep doing things the Southern way. <laughs>